Would you be interested in fighting Apollo Creed for the World Heavyweight Championship? No. Listen, Rocky. Apollo's seen you fight. He likes you. He wants to fight you. Hey, now when you walk into the ring for the number one heavyweight of the world, you'll be ready. You're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crack thunder. You're gonna become a very dangerous place. Ladies and gentlemen, Yo, listeners! It's now playing Rocky Retrospective Series. This Balboa thing is interesting. And you want to call it nostalgia, whatever the hell you want, but people can relate to that stuff. Hosted by Arnie. There is no one who can match his strength or his aggressiveness. Brock. You're the man, you're number one. Old people love you, young people love you. You're the man. And Jacob. I must break you. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we go with the distance and review all the Rocky films. What's your prediction for the fight? Hey. But be warned, these podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Today we're talking about Rocky Three, starring Sylvester Stallone, Mr. T, Carl Weathers, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Burgess Meredith, and directed by Sylvester Stallone. This is Baraki, co-host and now playing. You guys podcast great, but I'm a great podcaster. This is Jacob. <laughs> and this is Arnie, the ultimate male, podcasting with the ultimate meatballs. <laughs> This movie has a ton of those kind of lines. This is great. <laughs> this is Rocky 3. Woohoo! Rocky 3! I gotta say, Brock, you know, you said this is the first one. This is where you came in, and I've always been a fan of all the Rocky films, but watching this, I gotta say, this is probably the first Rocky I ever did see all the way through as a kid, and then I went back and watched the other ones, because just memories came flooding back watching this film. This is the only Rocky I can say I've seen end-to-end contiguously before this retrospective series because again i saw it in theaters way back when it came out and i remember going in being really worried because i hadn't seen rocky one and two so how could i possibly keep up (laughs) yes that's right folks at eight i was like that (laughs) this is totally flooding back memories for me too as i already mentioned as jacob highlighted already so i went into this with high hopes and you know we've talked about this before When you revisit movies that are special to you as a child, do they hold up to you when you're an adult? And that's kind of what was going on here for me, because it's been so many years since I've watched this movie from start to finish. So I was looking forward to it going in with that viewpoint. So why don't we jump into the ring, Arnie, with a plot summary? I think everybody really knows Rocky Three, so I'm not going to summarize Rocky Three. We could just catch it in Rocky Four, right? The recap? <laughs> I'm going to go to Pizarro World and summarize my movie, Clubber. 
I'm looking forward to this. All right, let's do it. Clubber Lang is a young black man who loves boxing. Over the years, he's attended many boxing matches, watching heavyweight world champions fight, and became inspired to learn to fight himself. He trained hard and was undefeated, but when he was ready to take on the world champ, Rocky Balboa, he was repeatedly refused by Rocky's old white manager, Mickey, who only set Rocky up for fights with schmucks Rocky was certain to defeat. Finally, Clubber goes around the system taking matters into his own hands and confronts Rocky at a statue dedication, and with pride on the line, Rocky's forced to agree to fight. But Rocky's too occupied by the spotlight. He's gone soft, while Clubber continues to train hard, and Clubber wins, becoming the world heavyweight champion. But in the press, the defeated white boxer refuses to let it drop, claiming he lost due to his manager having a heart attack during the fight and dying shortly after. Clubber, the rightful champ, has to defend his honor by agreeing to another fight, but knows he can defeat Rocky. But a former heavyweight champion, Apollo Creed, who Rocky defeated, goes all Uncle Tom and trains Rocky (laughs) to defeat Clubber. And thus, with the betrayal of Apollo, his brother, who should have sided with Clubber, the rematch happens and Rocky defeats Clubber, who then returns to obscurity. I'm not going to argue with that bizarro recap. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's perfectly legit to read all that into this film. I just think in some other world, Rocky 3 is Clubber, part one. You know, they have famous novels told from the aspect of other characters like the Wicked Witch of the West or the woman in the attic in Jane Eyre. You just did that for this movie. Bravo. (laughs) Fantastic. Now, guys, I want to start off by pointing out a bit of the timeline of this. And I was taken back, of all things, Brock, to our Friday the 13th retrospective series, where the timelines just start not matching up. I agree with you. It's not really adding up, although it's better than I thought. (laughs) I'm not really sure what year we're in. But it's somewhere around 1979, 1980, I think, because of this opening montage. I'm putting it at 1980 because Rocky 1 was 75, ending on New Year's Day of 76. Right. Rocky 2 is the entire next year after that, so it's 76, 77. And at this point, they say he's been champion for three years, so yeah, we're 79, 80. Right. And he's defended it ten times in three years? That seems like a lot to me. I don't keep up that much on real-life boxing. It catches my ear when there's a big pay-per-view event going on, and that just seems like a lot of times to have to defend your belt in three years. I completely agree with you. I've noticed the same thing. This is the first time I ever noticed that line, being older and all. And I have experience watching all his boxing. All of us talked about watching Mike Tyson and things like that back in the late 80s, and it was like, what, one fight every nine months at most, right? It was not. 10 fights in three years. How do you get in condition for that? Unless he dropped these chumps so quickly that he was able to rack them up. But still, the promotion, the venues, etc., selling tickets, the build-up, it needs to be a little farther apart. Yeah, it seems like quite a lot, but I like that they had him as a solid champ. Although... Was it the whole thing in Rocky 2? Rocky, you can't fight anymore. You're going to go blind. And then he became the champ. And now they're like, all right, 10 more fights. I was wondering <laughs> that throughout this whole film. And halfway through, we're going to get an answer to that. Like, I was surprised. I'm like, why? I thought he was almost blind. And now he's fighting. I like, I have this over and over in my notes. And they actually come up with an answer, which surprised me. They did drop a line after the opening montage that Paulie says you spent some money fixing your face up. And I was wondering if Stallone got plastic surgery or something, and that's why they mentioned it, a la the Wampa and Empire Strikes Back or something. But I didn't really notice he looked all that different to me, except he looks looked thinner and more fit. But maybe that's what they're talking about, Arnie, with the eye. 
I don't think so. I think they're talking about basically Stallone looks different. Yes. He's got money now, like in the movie and in real life. What you'll notice with this film is we don't have to wait till the end to get a montage. Yeah. It starts <laughs> off with one. Like, this is Rocky in pure essence, just opening up with a montage. And one of the things I liked is, you know, the, the last two films is all about Rocky being poor or falling into the MC Hammer trap, not knowing how to spend his money. Like, maybe it's because Talia Shire was in this film, but I felt like I was almost watching The Godfather, like, as he's fighting <laughs> and then getting richer and she's getting nicer and nicer fur coats throughout the whole thing. It was quite a trip. What's funny to me is that while well, I mentioned in the first Rocky podcast how dated that one felt. Rocky 2 didn't really feel that dated, but Rocky 3, we start, of course, with the last scenes from Rocky 2, because that's how movies did it in the old days, and we get to see the Apollo fight. And, you know, it's got that 70s look to it. It's got that 70s kind of grit and feel to the film. The next thing you see is fireworks and but da 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 ba da ba but and it's Eye of the Tiger and I'm like wow we just rode that motorcycle right on into the 80s didn't we Sly absolutely and the DeLorean as he's posed next to finally he's doing print ads he doesn't have to talk in those he learns to read he does TV ads too though I was surprised he went back to that he does an Amex ad yeah I was gonna mention that that he has American Express and the Muppet Show is I love how the Muppet Show was there obviously from Stallone's actual episode a lot of fun to watch this. And what I love most about this montage was last movie I bitched and moaned about the first, what, half hour of the movie, even the ambulance thing in the beginning of the movie where we could have really done a couple of jump cuts there and no one would have minded. Here, he didn't waste our time. He actually gave us a montage to catch us up on what's going on. And what a great montage it was. And also you set up Clubber Lang the entire time, too. It really was efficient, fun to watch, awesome song. And it was the great way to start this movie. Yeah, Eye of the Tiger, you know, Arnie, you said with Jaws that you felt that when people think of Jaws, they're really thinking of Jaws too. And we kind of mentioned that with Rocky too as well. The, you know, the elements with chasing the chicken and that whole, you know, karate kid type training thing we associate with Rocky. It's really coming from these sequels. I have the Tiger. I kept wondering, hey, isn't this the Rocky song? Why have I gone two films without hearing High the Tiger? Now we finally get it. Like, this is one of those early songs, like pop songs from my youth that when I was a little kid that I remember, you know, they're like Beat It and Billie Jean, all those Michael Jackson songs. And then Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. What a great song. Here's what's really funny is they're still holding on to that. Not all that long ago, I found myself in a weird position of having to do some publicity for Survivor as yes, part of my job. That is weird. <laughs> and their tagline that they made me use was keep your eye on Survivor. Wow. Well, it's their big hit, but wow. <laughs> I still have this on my iPod. I listen to this when I work out. This is one of those songs for me that will always be an awesome song. I can never hear this song too many times. When I first hear that, dun, 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 I just get excited every time. <laughs> of course, do you guys remember the Starbucks ad for like the Starbucks double shots that just took this to the next level if you could improve upon this by actually having Survivor there? And this guy was waking up and they go, Glenn, 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 Glenn. <laughs> yeah, great song. I couldn't believe that they opened it because, like I said, this is the one I'd seen before. And I remembered later in the movie some running on the beach, Eye of the Tiger motivational speech. So I was surprised that they led with that. I thought that would be the big Rocky gets his motivation second half of the movie song. I think that it's kind of a theme 
I mean, they're trying to make it a theme anyway. I'm not sure if 100% works, honestly, because the way Apollo keeps saying it over and over again (laughs) is kind of annoying. (laughs) I expected the subtitle for this film to be Rocky III, Eye of the Tiger. (laughs) Like, he says it so much later on in this film. But, you know, obviously, what they're saying with the opening montage, and as the film goes on, about Rocky losing that spark, the Eye of the Tiger thing, I mean, that's a great way to open it up to me, because it has Mr. T, Clever Lang, whatever, Proving he has the mojo, he has what it takes, and he wants it, he has the thirst. And Rocky is basically where Apollo was at the beginning of Rocky 1, you know? And it's kind of cool to see that happen to Rocky, even though it's unfortunate. It's kind of cool to see where Rocky is now after the first two, and see someone basically ready and hungry for what Rocky has. And it's a great way to open it, if you want to have it as a theme, it's a great way to have that theme prevalent throughout the movie. But in that montage, yes, we see Rocky getting rich, and we see Clubber training. But there's a third piece of the montage that I just don't quite understand, and that's Pauly drinking and looking evil. <laughs> it's like Pauly is turning into Lex Luthor. We get to see him sipping the whiskey, we get to see him glower, and when the montage ends, he's busting up a Rocky pinball machine. Yeah, this was a weird scene. I did not remember this at all. Like, the way he, like, just stares at that and then throws the bottle and smashes that pinball machine, goes to jail. And what was the point of this? What was the payoff? What was the story technique here? Are we getting a Polly Redemption movie? Like, I <laughs> was waiting for this to pay off at some point. Yeah, I, as a kid, I never really understood this scene either. And best I can tell you now, Jacob, is that Polly wants a job. <laughs> He's wanted a job, and this is the third movie he wants a job. Rock, like, I don't know, man. I gotta say, Rocky, you're a brother-in-law. You got a lot of money. Like, Polly set you up with your wife. Throw him a bone here. Like, why is he? It just doesn't make sense to me at this point. Why Polly's still going through this arc? It doesn't make any sense, and it's almost insulting when Rocky goes, "All you had to do was ask, Paul." It's like he's the Godfather. You have a favor. You've got to ask. (laughs) It's like, you got to come crawling. You can't just offer him the job. And here's the thing, though. And I think this happens to poor Adrian, too. The characters from the old movie each get one scene, unless your name is Rocky. Yeah, I have that note for Adrian later on that she has. I think that one scene is why she did the movie, honestly. (laughs) Well, Apollo gets a couple. This is Polly's one scene. And Polly doesn't do anything again. He has as much screen time as any of the other guys in the corner who help Rocky with his spit bucket. Is that a bad thing for Polly, though, Arnie? Honestly? It's a bad thing for Polly. Is it a bad thing for audiences? Nah, I'm kind of tired of Polly. Fair enough. That's where I'm going with this. <laughs> I just wonder if there's a meta moment here with Burt Young saying, Yo, Stallone, this is what I'm known for, Polly. Give me a scene so I at least get a paycheck to get through the next summer. <laughs> well, there could be something else, and this is a stretch because I just thought of it now. But you have Rocky, that pinball machine, all flashing lights. And then Polly throws the bottle at the image of Rocky, and all you see left is just a stick figure of lights. And it's ruined. It's, it's just a bunch of hype and not much there anymore. Brock, I've seen Stallone speak. He doesn't think that deeply. I'm just <laughs> telling you, it could be that. If you want to have Eye of the Tiger be a theme of the movie, which that seems to be more what he was going for, we can go that. But I'm agreeing with both of you. Wow, that sounds like a college paper I'd write. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, except the drunk white guy gets redeemed, whereas Clubber Lang just gets the crap beat out of him. Well... That's the end of Polly for this film. So we'll talk about Polly again next film. Check. Uh, Polly does drop a line that I find very weird is that Rocky built this big house and moved Mickey in. Mickey lives with Rocky now. I think that there's a Mickey quotient of how much I could take. Yeah, you know, like 
I'm appreciative if my boss gives me a raise or promotes me. I'm not going to take him in if he gets old, you know? There's got to be a <laughs> professional line there that you're not crossing with your trainer or your manager. God damn it, Rock! I said I wanted the egg scramble! <laughs> yeah, you got a young child. I don't know if that's the best role model. And Rocky is doing charity work, a lot of charity work, because he's still got that heart of gold that Jacob said he didn't have in the first film. And he's doing a wrestling boxy event against Thunderlips. Now, Thunderlips, of course, played by Hulk Hogan, which was my first exposure to Hulk Hogan, of course, probably everyone else's too, right? I don't know how big wrestling was, but I know afterwards it was huge. I mean, we didn't get WrestleMania for another three years, so, I mean, that's right. really when wrestling WWF exploded, so this was still before that explosion in the 80s. Right. I think it was around. No, it was definitely around. It wasn't where it was going to be after this film, though. When I saw Hulk Hogan on television after this movie... I would call him Thunderlips. I would, because I know him from this movie. And so it's like me thinking Lady Holiday was actually a real person, you know, because that's how I know, you know, as a kid. And so I found out Hulk Hogan's a real wrestler and all that kind of stuff. It kind of got me interested in watching it afterwards only because of this movie. So, yeah, it probably was a huge deal back then for Hulk Hogan to be in this movie. And what's really funny, though, is I never followed wrestling. But what I know of wrestling, all the stereotypes, especially the 80s, where you'd break a chair over someone's back and you'd throw them out of the ring into the audience and all of that is right here. Everything that would be WrestleMania is right here. The villainous wrestler versus the heroic fighter. You know, the entire WWF experience can be boiled down to the scene. Well, Arnie, maybe you don't know this because you're not a wrestling fan. I mean, in the 80s, I don't know how you could be a boy, not a wrestling fan, but WrestleMania 1, final fight, tag team match with one side being Hulk Hogan and Mr. T on the same team. It's hard for me to believe that this movie did not influence that. And Hulk Hogan also would guest star with Mr. T on the A-Team several times. <laughs> I was an A-Team fan, just not a WWF guy. And I was an A-Team fan because of this movie. Because of Mr. T. I mean, Mr. T was the bomb to me back then. Huge. Huge, huge part of my childhood, Mr. T. I still think he's cool. Sometimes you should ask Stuart about me wearing the gold chains. I would love to hear that story. This Thunderlips part of the movie, what cracked me up about this scene, besides the actual scene, was that Clubber Lang actually came. He's so obsessed with watching Rocky <laughs> that he shows up to a charity event in a tuxedo, no less. Yes! <laughs> with his, his feathered earrings and gold chains and a tuxedo. But it's a charity event, Clubber. Take this one off, okay? <laughs> Here's what I love about the charity event. Rocky's really rich, right? Yes, we sure. agree. He is very yes. rich. And... He goes into this, and there are moves that happen here that could have taken Rocky out of professional boxing. He could have been in a wheelchair for some of the stuff Thunderlips does to him. They raised $75,000 is all. That was $1982, Arnie. <laughs> Still. Or 1980, according to film continuity. I think Rocky could have donated 75000 as a good tax write-off rather than go through what he went through. Well, also... They play it off that Rocky didn't know it was a show. I mean, spoiler alert to all our fans, professional wrestling is choreographed. So if they play it out that Rocky didn't know it was all that, then yeah, he could have really gotten hurt. If he was in on the whole thing, then no, he would have been fine. But Thunderlips was doing this for real, though, right? Because Rocky asks him, why did you go all berserk? And that's the name of the game, brother. You know, but was this supposed to be fake? They didn't play it off as if Rocky knew that this was planned. He didn't plan it with Thunderlips ahead of time. The scene is done as if Thunderlips is actually doing this to Rocky. Rocky doesn't know what's going on. And yes, he could have gotten really hurt. But if it was choreographic, a real wrestling match, it would have been fine. 
but that's not what we have here. Moreover, maybe Brock, you could open up your college textbooks and explain this scene to me. Much like the <laughs> Polly one, what was the purpose of this scene? What's the payoff? How does it move the story forward? We get to see Mickey clutching his chest due to the chaos, and it sets up the ticker. Oh, okay, so we needed a charity fight with a wrestler to get that scene. Right, and also because this movie needs to be 90 <laughs> minutes long, so they needed about 10 more minutes of footage. So they put this scene in because it absolutely does nothing for the plot except that one little bit, which you could easily do when he's eating Rocky's terrible scrambled eggs in the morning at home. It also establishes a few other things about Rocky's <laughs> character at this point. It shows that he, like Apollo in the first one, is more interested in putting on a good show than having a good fight. He wasn't prepared. But second, it shows that Rocky can still kick some butt when he needs to, even on someone so much taller than he is. Well, we get all that later in the movie. But it's established here, right away, in a fun way. I get what you're saying. I just don't think we needed that established. We also get it in the opening montage. Yeah, we get a montage where he's on the Muppet show, like Brock said, and he's posing for DeLoreans, and doesn't that show he's got soft? He also beats somebody up in the ring and then takes a bow to the audience. Like, it's clear he's already becoming Apollo, which is what the opening montage told me already. So it's redundant here, but it's just a fun scene but no, plot-wise, it does nothing to move it forward, except the Mickey thing. The other thing it does is fixes a big problem I had with Rocky 2, and I didn't have with Rocky 1, but with Rocky 1, I was really into the characters. Rocky 2, I wasn't, and so my complaint was nothing really happened. Here, we start off with what people want, a fight. And it's a fight in such a way that it doesn't detract from the other two fights that are going to be showcases in this film. Well, plus all the clips of fights during the opening montage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, Arnie. That's a very good point. There's an exchange with Mickey I do like in this scene. He says to Rocky, no one does more charity than you or something. He says, Bob Hope would. And then Mickey concedes, yep, Bob Hope would. And then later on they say, maybe you should have called Bob Hope. But that whole thing with Bob Hope, I had a smile on my face. I thought that was fun. Yeah. I liked what they were doing with Mickey here. And the first one, I loved Mickey. In the second one, I felt he'd gone into caricature. Here, I think he's actually further into caricature, but back to a side where I like it. He's funny. He's witty. They're playing it like an old Abbott and Costello routine. Like, the two have just such a great rapport. And they need this. They need Mickey to be this likable, this funny, so that later on when he dies, we're really sad. And we're not just sad because we remember him from previous films, but we're sad because we liked him in this one. I think in the few scenes he had... Burgess Meredith stole this film and became more likable and just a greatest asset to this film than he's ever been. Wow, we flip-flopped, Arnie. I liked him in two. I thought he played it right here. Like, I was agreeing. I'm like, yeah, he's totally doing a caricature in this film. Like, where I, I liked the back and forth. It was a nice comedy routine, but mm -hmm. it was taking me out of the film. I wasn't buying that this was a natural back and forth between two characters in a movie. I do think that the character of Mickey has become the character. We talked about it last time. But here, I think he was just playing what he had to play. I mean, honestly, he wasn't really well-written here in this scene anyway. And later on, he does what he has to do for the plot of the movie. But I don't think it's a character as much as Arnie does. But I did like Mickey in this movie very much. And I do think this scene does add to a likability, as he said. I do like this exchange very much. It finally also kind of makes sense that we have before you said that he moved into the house well, maybe they've gotten more of a father-son thing going on now, because in the first movie, we had that scene with Rocky and Mickey, and then in the second movie, he was more of just a trainer. Here, maybe they've moved to a different stage of their relationship, and that could be, here's my college thesis paper thing again, maybe this scene shows how their relationship has changed since he's moved into the house, since they've had ten-tile defenses, etc. But I'm helping the movie with that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm, I'm putting a little bit of that in there. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. <laughs> I've seen this movie many, many times, so I'm probably filling in some blanks by mistake or just because. You know, while I thought that Burgess Meredith was really doing well in this, you know whose performance surprised me in this and how good I felt they were? Mr. T. Right there with you. I don't know if it's because this is the character you've known him to be, the angry black man. I pity the foo, but I liked him. He pulled it off here. I talked about with Stallone with Rocky One. You know, I think every actor could be considered a great actor if they fall into that one role that they can really play up. Said the same thing about Ben Affleck. Mr. T works here. He pulls off Clubber Lane. Here's the thing that I liked about it is I knew Mr. T could pull off angry and I pitted the fool and the whole thing he did for five seasons as B.A. Baracus, right? What I didn't know he could play, though, was kind of smarmy and funny and happy and not in a dumb or mean way. When he's, like, making the sleazy comments at Adrian during the statue ceremony, I'm like, wow, he really delivered those lines so well, and it wasn't in his Mr. T way. He didn't come off, even knowing what he becomes after this film, it didn't come off as a parody like he does now, you know, when Mr. T goes into Mr. T mode. Like here, right. it mm-hmm. seems very natural. Even knowing who Mr. T is, this feels like, for me, it's the first time seeing this actor do this role. It doesn't seem like something I've seen filtered through pop culture for the last 20 years. I completely agree with you because I also think intimidation here, I know he can be intimidating as BA on VA team, but here his intimidation factor is insane. And as the movie goes on and when he's actually getting the fights and all that later too, you see it there too. I completely buy him in this movie. I don't think he just pulls it off. I think he really controls this character. What I think of as Mr. T clearly is not Clubber Lang, but Clubber Lang is a character, but it's Mr. T at the same time. It's amazing what he's doing here. It's really fun to watch. I have a smile on my face every time he speaks in this movie. Yeah, I mean, there's the stuff that Mr. T would be known for that all is rooted in Clubber Lang. Like, what's your prediction for your fight? My prediction? Pain. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the Mr. T that I'd see again in DC Cab in the A-Team. But when he's given lies like, I bet you had a real man. Bring your pretty little self over to my apartment tonight. I'll show you a real man. Those are the lines I've never seen that Mr. T before or again. And I'll be damned. The man can act. <laughs> At least in this role. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's needed, and that's kind of why I did my whole clubber point of view, because I had my eyes on him, this film, and I was so shocked that he wasn't just the heavy. I was surprised that they actually fleshed him out and made him a bit more of a character. I wish they would have given him a little more, but of course he had to be vilified. He had to be badder than bad. He had to cause Mickey to die. Yeah, I agree with you, Arnie, that... Like I said with the last few films, especially Rocky Two, I wanted more Apollo. I wanted more of his story. Here, I want more of Mr. T, because aren't they playing him off like he's in the same boat Rocky was? And he just wants his chance. And Rocky is being the white racist jerk, not giving him his, you know, I'm just going to retire. Like, I, I really feel like there's some racial tension will come up later in this film, too, that I wish they would have explored. Because that's how it comes off with Rocky, is like he's totally denying the black man that the chance that the white man got. And I wanted more of that story. Yeah, and it's really even Mickey, the old white man, right. you know? Reagan is stopping <laughs> Clubber Lang from fighting. Well, and what's interesting, when we were talking about the first Rocky film, I asked you, Arnie, if you wanted a darker version of that story. And one of the early drafts was that Mickey is a racist. And Rocky ends up throwing the fight with Apollo because he just can't support Mickey anymore. 
So I feel like there's part of this that's rooted in those early drafts, and I would have liked to seen it explored more. Do you think it's overt? Because I don't get racist off of Mickey completely. I see exactly where you guys are coming from in this. I just never saw Mickey's flat out saying racist. No, it's not overt. I don't think it's a stretch to read it into it, though. No, I agree. No. I think it's there. But in the film we got, it's just that he was being defensive of Rocky. Right. And you can read into it whatever you want, but it's not really there. It's not at any point given the motivation. I'm sure he fought many other boxers of all races in that montage and... It wasn't that Clubber Lang was black, it's that Clubber Lang was tough. Yeah, and he can actually hurt Rocky. And remember the first movie I mentioned, that scene with Tony Duke, when he was telling Apollo, or maybe it was the second movie, uh, that he says, this guy's no good for us, we don't need him. Well, it's basically what Mickey's doing for Rocky here. As I said before in the beginning of this podcast, Rocky has become Apollo in the first movie here. And it's exactly what Duke is trying to do in the first movie for Apollo. Here is what Mickey's doing here for Rocky. The problem is Mickey's supposed to be on the good side here. And that's where it gets flipped. And that's where it starts causing some problems. Before Apollo, you know, he wasn't ever the villain villain, but we were right. always supposed to root for Rocky. So when Mickey does it here, we're supposed to be rooting for that. Well, let's talk about the scene then in the bedroom. Because when Rocky confronts Mickey about what happened at the statue with the confrontation with Mr. T and Adrian there and the whole thing, and then Mickey wants to leave the house because he doesn't want any part of this fight with Rocky and Clubber. And Rocky thinks he can handle it. And Mickey tells him the truth that the fights that were set up, he was not necessarily carrying him, but necessarily giving him worthy challengers. And he wanted to keep the belt and he's protecting him, etc. And Rocky is hurt by this. And it's a great scene between the two characters. It also explains a lot of who Rocky the boxer is now and what happens later in the film. I think it's important to realize that Rocky, even though I always think of him as this great champion, I'm watching these movies, this one hit me like a ton of bricks, this viewing, is that, well, maybe Rocky, don't take anything away from the guy, he won 10 title defenses, but, you know, maybe he was just coasting, and maybe he isn't as great a champion as I once thought he was, and that's a very cool way to see that, this movie, for the first time in this viewing. I liked the scene, but it was purely exposition. I wasn't moved by the scene, really. I think that it was efficient in telling us what it needed. While I really liked the Mickey-Rocky interplay at the statue, and I liked it in the ring with Thunderlips, here was the one scene that I felt Sly as a director was too focused on Sly as an actor, and Burgess Meredith kind of got the short end of the stick, because in a movie that is Burgess Meredith's swan song as Mickey, we really should have seen more of that character shine through and what really shined through was rocky suddenly having self-doubt for me this is the story i wanted with apollo and rocky too and i'm kind of upset now that i'm getting it because it's the white hero in this film i don't want to dwell on the race thing but it's upsetting me at this point that they could have told a good story in the second film with apollo but it's not till rocky gets in this role again i think it's an interesting story watching this guy that thought he had everything find out it's a facade I guess I'm with Arnie, though. This just comes off more as exposition and answered a lot of questions that I had, like, mm -hmm. why wouldn't Mickey want to support Rocky in this fight? Why was he pulling away, you know? And I got those answers, finally. The scene doesn't particularly stick out to me, though. It did to me this time. This viewing, it really did. And it possibly could be just because I'm watching as an older person instead of watching as a kid, you know? But this one hit me a little harder than normal. But, yeah, it's certainly a scene that leads into... Rocky training and as a cream puff. Now let's talk about, we talked about the music. Yeah. This first training song. Somebody go 
punch Frank Stallone, will ya? <laughs> Push in, getting ready for the fight. Push in. Oh my god. I'm pushing fast forward. Maybe this is another reason that this scene between Mickey and Rocky didn't do much for me because Rocky's like, you know, I'll live in the gym. I'll do whatever I need to. And then we cut to the scene where he's punching bags while the paparazzi are taking pictures of him. And he's got his little faux orchestra band playing his theme in the corner. Like, it didn't make sense to me at all. Like how you go from, oh, yeah, this is the fight of my life. This is the one where I really prove myself as a champion to I'm still a loser cream puff. That's not going to take it seriously. I actually thought it more of a heist movie, like you know, one more score before I retire kind of thing the way they were talking at the end of the mickey scene and then when it goes right into this it clearly he's not taking it seriously as he said he would my problem with it was didn't we just see this in rocky 2 yep i got that in my notes as well has rocky learned nothing at all (laughs) like we've already (laughs) seen this story i mean we saw it from apollo's side in one rocky side in two rocky side again in three it was starting to feel redundant although i did get a smile because did either of you play Mike Tyson's Punch Out? Oh yes, oh yes, on the Nintendo. Yep, very much. Well, when you get to see Rocky running and pulling yes. Mickey on the bike, I couldn't <laughs> help but think back to the little cut scene that you'd get between some of those fights. But then, like Punch Out, we enter the ring, and it's Mr. T. Clubber Lang versus Rocky One. And it's really nice they have Apollo come in do the Joe Frazier bit that Joe Frazier did in the first movie, and then that's a great way to bring Apollo back into the fold. I like that very much. It is, and it's halfway through the film. It's like at 45 minutes, but instantly, I'm also taken with what Carl Weathers is doing as Apollo this time. He's coming in and immediately reestablishing this character again. Halfway through the movie, we haven't even seen him except for the flashback at the beginning, but he's funny. He's talking about, well, I'm not in the ring with him, and it comes across just so well right away. It's funny to me that Now, as of this film, I'm thinking Carl Weathers may be the best actor in the entire Rocky series, and he's one of the few not nominated for an Oscar. I don't know about that. I do know that I like Apollo a lot in this movie and starting with this scene. I do like when Mr. T gives him some lip in the ring when he goes to Rocky and says, drop this chump quick so we can go home or something like that. I loved how he didn't make eye contact with Rocky, that he's still bitter a little bit with Rocky, but, you know, he still needs to say what he has to say. That little kind of subtlety is what makes Carl Weathers does in this movie say leaps and bounds for later on later. I think you're right that he's very good in this movie. Whether or not he should have got nominated for an Oscar for the previous two movies, I don't think I agree with that. <laughs> no, but maybe for this one. He could have gotten Best Supporting, maybe. I may be too generous, but I liked him in this. I did. You know, I'm not going to make a judgment on his acting skills. I liked him. So, I mean, that says what needs to be said. I enjoyed his role when he's playing Apollo. He came off as how an Xboxer would be. He's trying to make friends with them. And like you, Brock, I like it when he's like, let's drop this chump and get out of here. That how ticked off he's at at Lane because he gets no respect. Yeah. And I thought of you, Jacob, when I was watching this movie because you've been screaming for an Apollo movie. I think this is it. You get your Apollo movie here. Halfway through, we begin to get our Apollo movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, and it's really great what they do with him, and we'll talk about that a little later. Did you guys also catch that before this fight starts, Rocky says, this is the last one for sure. Definitely the last one. I just kind of had to chuckle because I know this isn't the last one in our retrospective, so. (laughs) Hell, it's not even halfway. (laughs) I think we kind of glanced over quickly the scene where before they get into the ring that Mickey gets hurt in the stairwell, right? Yes. Yep, and they really kind of play it off. Like, if Clubber wasn't such a bad guy, Mickey would have lived. But you know what I hate about Mickey's heart attack, I just hate, is 
we get to see this whole thing about how Rocky doesn't train. Rocky doesn't take it seriously. Rocky's like Apollo in the first one, right? But you can't let Stallone have weakness. He can't just not have trained well enough. He's got to be worried for his friend, his father figure. That has to be a big part as to why he loses. He can't just lose. He's got to lose because Mickey's dying. Did you really buy that, though? Like, I know they try to play that up. I don't think he came across that that's why he lost. Because he's like, get a doctor. And I don't understand why they can't get a doctor. It's a boxing match. There's a doctor at ringside. It's ridiculous that there's not a doctor right there. I had the same note. Where the hell is a freaking doctor? It's a goddamn boxing match. But I agree with both of you. I think they did not play that up properly. I think his distraction of Mickey is a minor note to the fact that he did not prepare well. When he's in the corner at the end of the first round asking, where's Mickey? I need Mickey. I need, I need advice. Because he's realizing, oh, crap, I'm not prepared for this. It's not because Mickey's not there to support him in because he loves him, in my mind. It's because he's realizing, I'm overmatched here. I screwed up. I've always taken it as he was worried about Mickey. And if Mickey had been there, you know, he probably still would have lost realistically. Mm -hmm. But the movie has to make it where Rocky can't just be weak. Rocky can't lose because of avarice. He can't take Apollo's path. I don't agree, Arnie. I mean, the whole beginning of this film is setting him up that he's become the weak cream puff. And that's his hubris there is that he didn't take it seriously. He became Apollo. You know, I just don't think the Mickey thing was a big concern. I don't know. The fact that when Rocky goes down and they're counting, they then cut to Mickey getting CPR. <laughs> a little bit heavy handed. A little bit heavy. <laughs> this is a franchise that opened up with a close up of Christ. So <laughs> subtlety is not its, its strong point. So Rocky gets pasted and he runs back to Mickey's side and we have his Tom Cruise and Magnolia scene. And it wants to be much more touching than it is, but I have seen this movie many times, and I don't want to put down his acting in this too badly. You guys can if you want to. But what I found myself doing is laughing a little bit when he was crying and talking at the same time because he was mumbling. And it was just funny to me. I didn't, like, guffaw, guffaw. I just started chuckling. Because people used to imitate Stallone back in the day. They would do that kind of mush-mouch kind of thing, and he was doing it right here. But I always find the scene somewhat touching. But this time I found myself chuckling a bit. I didn't really find it that bad. I didn't find it that good. What I felt was I'd read that during the Rocky scene in the first one with him and Mickey, when Mickey leaves and he's talking about how his apartment stinks, that he was just ad-libbing it. And I think that Sly was relying on himself to again ad-lib the scene and be in the moment. And he just wasn't pulling it off. <laughs> and so it's like... I see what you're going for. It's not entirely working, but it's not not working. It's just, it's not as good as you think it is, Sly. So let's move on to the next one. Yeah, fight. you can get so meta throughout this series. You know, the first film done for a million bucks. A lot of it, you know, was just luck of the draw. Some of the shots they got, there was a lot of improvisation that worked. And now here's the big bloated sequel with millions and millions and millions of dollars and, you know, Stallone doing everything and, the magic's just not there. You're losing. Clubber Lang beats you, and, and this franchise is beating you. You're, you're not getting that magic twice of having a touching moment here with Mickey. It reminded me, you talked about the whole blubber thing, Brock. It, it reminds me of the end of Rambo when he's talking to Troutman, and he's crying, and you can barely understand a thing he says. I'm like... He sounds like John Travolta. <laughs> I'm like, maybe this is touching. I don't know. I, don't, I gotta turn on the subtitle, see what's being said here. 
<laughs> I do like, I, I don't want to trash this whole scene, though. I like the moment where Rocky lies to him and lets him die mm. believing that he beat Clubber Lang. I like that. It touched me. For whatever me reason, too. I like that, you know, the truth, it's not always the best thing. It's not the best policy always. A man's dying. Let him go out on a good note. I like that moment. I don't know how I felt about it. You know, as we talked about last year with the Karate Kid, I lost somebody in my family. And I was, again, kind of flashing back to that real-life death during the scene. Because I was at the deathbed and he was very old. And it was a heart attack. And so, with the lie... I questioned that choice. I did. I think it was the right thing to do, but I felt like it needed to come back up again later. Like Rocky had to win the second time to make that lie the truth or something, you know? It's never brought up again, and as it played... Well, there's a lot's not brought up again in this movie. That's what I've been <laughs> complaining about, so maybe that's why it didn't bug me. I never minded the lie at all actually i'm right there with jacob that's when i said it was somewhat touching that's pretty much what i'm talking about and how you can see the genuine emotion for a part of it for me but the lie thing you know it's important for rocky to do that at that moment you're right arnie it would have been great if he's later on when he figures out what's going on with him or but when he's praying before the next fight or something that he wants to mention mickey or something a mickey's somewhere in there but they kind of drop mickey completely after he dies after rocky stops driving around Philadelphia once Apollo gets to be his trainer. They kind of drop Mickey completely. Now, let me ask you guys, if Rocky losing wasn't because of Mickey dying, why kill Mickey? Because Burgess Meredith had Alzheimer's and was going crazy, and he probably couldn't remember half his lines, and that's why they had such a good repertoire. Maybe he's thinking back to the 1930s with some old friend he had when he's throwing out the Bob Hope lines. <laughs> hey, he did Grumpy Old Men 15 years after this film. I think they wanted that touching moment i don't know if there's a, a meta reason that they weren't going to use burgess meredith anymore or there's fights with his contract or whatever no disrespect arnie but i felt like so much of this movie was an arnie movie up to this point with the wrestling and all the fighting that stuff that you like the stuff you wanted and at least in rocky 2 to move it along i think they felt like they had to have that dramatic moment and Everyone knows the easiest way to get a dramatic moment is to kill someone. <laughs> How could I not take offense to that? You've been calling yourself out the whole time. <laughs> no offense, Artie, but this movie's been really dumb. The stuff you like. <laughs> You've been calling yourself out the whole time. You said in the last podcast, maybe this will be the one you'll really like because it is more streamlined and, and more fighting yeah, going you're... on. I'm just using your own words against you. Sorry. Well, you're not wrong. I've been enjoying it. I can't respect <laughs> it, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> well, the big man for you to say that, Artie. <laughs> I want to go a step further, though. I think you kill Mickey here because we can talk about this now. Because next step is Apollo training Rocky. And we have these two men training Rocky for this fight. But what's really going on in my mind is addition to Rocky training for this fight is Apollo's training for this fight. And we'll see for the rest of this movie that these two men are training in tandem. And so what happens here is that it brings these two people who fought bitterly in the ring against each other who have nothing but respect at the end of Rocky II, it seems, for each other's skills. Now they're becoming friends by training together to defeat this new boxer. Apollo not in the ring doing it, but he might as well be, and Rocky doing it for him. I fairly much felt that, and so to have that kind of closure there and this new chapter for Rocky and Apollo to end this chapter in their lives, to kill Mickey and have this happen this way, to give Rocky the hunger back to beat Clubber Lang through Apollo 
is a nice dramatic way to do it. And I like that it's not just Rocky getting back to his roots, but it's also literally Apollo going back to his roots, going back to his old gym and his old training area. The things I was arguing for is I wanted to see how Apollo dealt with that pride and the fall that came because of his pride that he thought he could take out this newcomer so easy. And I feel this is where we're getting that redemption story for Apollo here by him going back to his roots by training Rocky. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell this is where Arnie's dozing off. No, the, where's the fights? Are you crazy? <laughs> How could I doze off? It's montage after montage. It's Eye of the Tiger. It's it's homoerotic running on the beach. What is with the close-ups of the freaking thighs? <laughs> you see those thighs? That was just uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Wasn't it only girls that wore the like half shirts cut off to show their stomach area in the 80s? I, I didn't realize muscle men did that, too. It was a big football player thing. The mock turtleneck dark blue cut off for a Oh, I was laughing. That's a real fashion choice right there. Thank God he's at the beach, not on the street wearing that, because that'd be funny. I very much enjoyed the two parts of the training in this, and I've seen this a thousand times. And so to watch this again now, it just was fun to watch Rocky not really getting into it and having Apollo doing it, but very much to see the progression of Rocky's training throughout both montages and things. It was fun for me to watch seeing Apollo's perspective clearer than ever before now watching it. And it was really fun to see the two men switch places, then become even, and it's kind of fun. I also like Paulie's one-liners in here, you know? About how he's a racist? I mean, I'm like, you can't just have him be like this leech brother-in-law drunk. You gotta make him a racist, too? (laughs) I was actually thinking, like, Kenny Swim, with a name like Rock. But yeah, there is all the jungle bunny music. You can't train him as a colored fighter, he says. He has no rhythm. Yeah, that's where, like, okay... You get the scene, you know, Adventures in Babysitting, where all the white kids walk into the blues bar. You get that scene with the gym here, Apollo's gym. Rocky and his wife and Polly walk in. Everyone, like, stops and looks at him. Whatever, okay. We've seen that cliche. But then it's like, you gotta learn to dance, because only the black man can dance. You gotta get some rhythm in you. Like, this is the best they could do? Is this what Stallone thinks of African Americans? That they're really good at moving their feet, so that's how he's gonna become a good boxer again? It's weird. It seems like there's some racial tension going on in this film, but they never want to explore it. They want to they drop little hints of it here and there, but it doesn't go anywhere. I completely agree. I think that they've always danced around the racial issue and they brought it up once in the first one where they ask Apollo, is there any symbolism to you fighting a white person on New Year's Day? And Apollo goes, well, is there any symbolism to him fighting a black person on New Year's Day? So it certainly is there and they just choose to ignore it god knows that they'd only handle it if they could in a montage <laughs> so though in between the two montages we have rocky after the first run on the beach the scene with adrian where he confronts his fear this is where we get adrian's scene right yeah this is adrian's one scene other than that it seems like she was just showing up for the craft services <laughs> well during the first montage scene when he doesn't have the eye of the tiger she was flashing a lot of looks She was doing a lot of eye acting. That's what she does in most of these films. She does it very well. (laughs) She looks worried or goes, go, Rocky, go. So this one scene on the beach, I liked very much. I thought the two of them worked off for each other very well. And I completely believed what they were saying in the scene. Oh, I like this scene. Her and Apollo. Give me a Adrian and Apollo movie. That's what it seems like I keep going back to in these Rocky films. I love this scene. It was emotional for me. I, I liked what she did with it. First of all, she does not even look like the same woman she did in Rocky. 
Not at all. I'm telling you, this it's the Godfather, man. They're in Providence <laughs> now. It's no more mousy <laughs> pet store employee. I mean, I said in the first one that, you know, she became attractive after the sex, and you guys argued with me about attractive, but there's no denying here. She's become very beautiful. Yes. And it's hard to believe that she was the same mawkish girl from the pet store. Also, she's strong. That's a very attractive quality. But I like this scene. It was a necessary scene. And I like that it's Adrian who gets Rocky over his emotional hump better than Rin, Rocky, win. I like that it wasn't (laughs) win-win. Meanwhile, we get Clubber Lang and perhaps my favorite line of this film. I'm going to crucify him real bad. As compared to all those nice crucifixions. The mercy crucifixions. Yeah, it reminded me earlier in the film, Burgess Meredith says, you ever fight a dinosaur kid? They can cause a variety of damage. Like, yes. <laughs> I love how the understatement there and the same thing with this crucifixion. I mean, there's some good lines in this film. Good for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. They keep mentioning, it comes up a few times, don't get mentally irregular, they say a few times. Uh, even Apollo says it at the end of the movie. So then we get Rocky training and they jump up and down with each other in the water at the beach, symbolizing they're ready. And <laughs> or symbolizing something totally different. I don't know. Yes, I, mean, I, w- I won't go there. I was getting something yes. else. <laughs> I think this could be the best Prop 8 commercial ever. <laughs> From the ocean spraying up onto their faces. Yes, we won't go there. Everyone's smiling and clutching. It's beautiful. So- <laughs> the thighs are pulsing. The socks are pulled up to the knees. <laughs> it was the 80s, early 80s. That was still fashionable. Totally the high socks with the two stripes. So we get to the second fight, and we get to the preparation of the second fight. My favorite line, Arnie said earlier, my prediction, pain. I love that line. He actually says, I pity the fool at that point, too. And he'll never stop saying it. I just love it, though. I just, I never get tired of hearing it. I was actually surprised he dropped that line in this film. I was, too. I thought that was an A-team line. I really did. And then we have Apollo giving Rocky his shorts, which pretty much concludes the whole vicarious thing. To bring it to a point. Vicarious thing. I I thought we were concluding... The other thing we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> now, True. my thing was, those can't be the exact same shorts. He says, wash them before you give them back. But Apollo's quite a bit taller than Stallone. If it was actually Apollo shorts, wouldn't they hang down to his ankles or look like flood pants? They were hemmed? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> well, something that popped out to me here is that they kept on mentioning Rocky looks 10 pounds lighter. And in the first fight, he was 202. Here he is 191. And I'm thinking, is that even qualify as a heavyweight? And I looked it up. Call it out. I looked it up. It, it's on borderline for heavyweight. But if you have a guy who's 237 pounds hitting a guy who's 191, that's dangerous. It's not good. And so it's a big difference. So when he says he hits hard, well, yeah, behind that punch is 40 pounds on you. It's a big deal in, in the boxing where I just want to give a little bit of reality here. I don't know how that would really work in real life. Well, especially when you're dealing with such a height difference as you have. I mean, Stallone's a short man. And so if you take a look at the 40 pounds difference, but what's the body mass index of these guys? It might be far more close. How tall a man is he? 5'10". No. I read up on this and they said Hulk Hogan is like 6'7 or something and Rocky's 5'10", so they had to change the height. Yeah, because they say Thunderlips is almost 7 feet because they had to up his height. To explain the difference. Stallone is five foot six and his shoes have been making him five foot ten oh, for okay. decades. <laughs> yeah, he's he's five six, give or take. He's my height, which is sad. That's short. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, man, I've seen you carry those big bags at Comic-Con. I have to hold them yes. up above my head. <laughs> so you're saying, Arnie, if I give you my shorts, you couldn't wear them because I'm so much taller than you? Yes, that's correct. I'd look like a prep for a flood. <laughs> But let's go run on the beach together. Yeah, let's do that. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Going into this last fight, is this an underdog story? Like, the, the other Rocky films were the underdog story. What is the point of this film? I know it's to make money because Rocky's become this huge franchise, but what's to keep me in my seat watching this? Because I have no doubt that Rocky's going to win in this final match. I don't feel he's an underdog. I, I'm rooting more for Clubber Lang. Like, I really feel bad for this guy. I think he got the short end of the stick, and he should take his grievances up with the World Boxing Federation. Here's my thinking, is if you look at the first one as the story of a man trying to prove something to himself, and the second one, he's proving it to the world. The third one is a study of In the Eye of the Tiger, trade your passion for glory, right? And so it's about getting back to your roots. And I'm not saying that it's as big of an arc or as important an arc as one or two for him, because here it's just regaining the title. But if you like Rocky and you like this character, it shows a lot of what two showed, him going from a high to a low and then back to the high again. It's playing the same beats. Yeah, but it's a lot harder to buy when he's a millionaire now. You talked about that populist feeling in the first one. Like, this is the total office, and now he's like the rich guy that we can't even understand. But it was the big 80s. We loved the rich Well, in the yes, 80s. this is all about the yuppies. Now we're cheering on the yuppies in this film. In a short span of time, we went from cheering on the blue-collar worker to cheering on the yuppie. Yay, go make more money. Yep, that's the 80s, right? I mean... I guess maybe now, living in a more of a 70s economy than an 80s economy, it's hard for me to relate to this film these days. I mean, we're just a few short years away from Gordon Gecko. Sure. <laughs> I do think, though, that if we're talking about the character arcs here, I think it is about Rocky rediscovering the passion he has as a fighter. And so, whether or not it's completely successful, I don't know. But I do like that the both Apollo and Rocky are discovering it together. And I think that's what this whole point is. I kind of think of it as a nice rounding out of the first three movies, kind of like a trilogy among themselves. And I think that's a really nice way to round it out. That these two men do it together, that they can find a way to get back not only the glory, but, you know, the, the passion to fight and win again against an opponent, as opposed to the coasting. And whether or not Rocky knew he was coasting or not, we witnessed it when his cream puff training earlier in the movie, that at a certain level, he has to realize, especially when he's training with Apollo, he's fallen so far, and him getting back up again to somewhere closer to where he was before. And yeah, it's not a completely successful, but I'm cheering for Rocky during Clubber Lang here at the end to have him beat as far as feeling bad for Clubber Lang, well, yeah, he gets shafted. But, you know, there's a big turning point in this fight where all of a sudden Clubber Lang just starts to lose. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird that he comes off so tough so quick, but this is the first time that we don't see a long fight. This thing's over in, what, three rounds? Yeah. Here's the moral of the story. Don't lose your temper. Because isn't that when Clubber Lang loses because Rocky gets him really mad and he just starts throwing crazy punches and gets tired? Like... Really? He trash-talked a guy? Actually, no. The ending is stupid. It is stupid. It's Rocky begging to be punched. It's dumb, 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 dumb. It's dumber than the double knockout and Rocky getting up with one second left in the last film. That upset me. This is even worse. And it's like, he's getting killed. No, he's not. He's getting mad. 
It's like, oh my god. Oh my god. You've turned him into Superman, where he's just getting punch after punch. And did you all notice it's all to the right eye, the eye that was going to go blind? Clubber's punch in the right eye. Hit me again. Hit in the right eye. Hit me again. Hit in the right eye. I'm like, God, please make him go blind. Make me care about him. Where is Rocky's kryptonite in this fight? I did notice that neither man put up one block the entire fight, and it drove me nuts. Why don't you block? Rocky does actually dodge some punches, which impressed me. It's the first time he's done anything <laughs> defensive. Well, dodging is because he got the speed from Apollo, right? Yes. They wanted to show that. Because he got his groove back and learned how to dance like the black man, yes. <laughs> Rocky three, how Rocky got his groove back. <laughs> I like that. Eye of the Tiger has to be in the title, because they say it so much. Yeah. A couple of things I did notice in this fight, though. Clubber says he doesn't train with anybody, yet he has an entire corner full of people in yeah, both Yeah, that confused me. I don't need a manager. <laughs> I don't need no trainer. Yeah. But you got a whole entourage when you walk into that ring. Because he needs a manager. <laughs> <laughs> Which Mickey was, apparently, in this movie, as we're told. Not just a trainer. Mickey was managing him because he gave him those fights. So there you go. I also thought I noticed a reverse shot, and it doesn't really matter, but the back of Clubber Lang's teammate, whatever you call those guys in the corner, Jersey, seemed to be written backwards. They had to flip the negative to make him be in the right corner. The correct corner, I should say. The left corner instead of the right. And I thought that was a little bit weird. A kind of film flub, which is rare for me to catch those. Not that it matters for anything. So, Rocky wins. We know it. And, you know, in the uh, last fights, one and two, he wins. You know, he's pretty beat up. He barely can open his eyes and everything. Here, he wins. He's jumping up and down. He's asked, are you all right? He goes, never better. Ah! Can't he at least hurt? I have no sympathy for his character in this film. Like, they totally blew it. Like, I do not care about Rocky at all in this movie. And I really think this could only work in the 80s. This is one of those 80s fantasies that had to be of that time. That said, I hate myself for it, but I'm like, yeah, Rocky! I was just going to say that. I'm finding myself cheering for Rocky winning at the end of this movie. And he actually does throw a couple of blocks at the end there, towards the end, so he can actually get an upper hand on Clubber. I'm finally finding myself cheering for Rocky. I do want this man to win. There's something about maybe the music and the whole thing, whatever it is. I find myself siding with Rocky here at the end because I want this man to win. And so, sure, the character is different than before, but that's the whole point, I think, of having that montage at the beginning of the movie, having the whole thing we talked about this whole movie, that's the point, that we can come around to this guy again. Whether or not it's successful or not, we're hearing other opinions on that. But for me, I like the fact that he wins. I'm finding myself rooting for him, and I want him to beat Clubber Life. My big thing is, I'm rooting for him, and I do think it's because of the movie making and the history of the past two films that we've seen. But... I wish he had to overcome something. I wish it wasn't such an easy victory. I would like for him to have had to work for it instead of just taking the best clubber can dish out and then never feeling better. It's like cheering Superman beating up the homeless. Yeah, and that's why I'm having a problem. Again, don't really care about yuppies. <laughs> you said it. Maybe it could only work in the 80s because this film's not working for me. I love this as a kid because Thunderlips and Mr. T, it's not working for me now because eh, I'm supposed to sympathize with the rich white guy. Don't really want to do that. But then the last two films ended at this moment, but ding, ding, we have an extra scene. Well, Rocky owes Apollo a favor. They've been dropping that line six or seven times. What favor? Dropping it like a brick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time with a close-up, remember, Stallion, you owe me a favor. Like, he might as well just smile to the camera and go, ding, with his teeth. <laughs> yeah. Apollo wants a 
private rematch with Rocky. I love this. Again, I mentioned I was loving what Carl Weathers was doing in this film, and this is such a great ending that these two guys who have gone all the way around in their relationship are now such good friends that they can be there, and they're going to fight as hard as they can fight, but they're doing it and making jokes about being old and all of that. I love the moment, and I love how it ends with the two of them. You know, Rocky's the southpaw. He's throwing the left. Apollo's throwing the right. It goes to the graffiti painting, and the credits roll, and the audience walks out with a big old grin. No, it's a good ending. I like this. Apollo finally gets, like, his moment. Like, he's been the villain in the last two movies. This time he got a chance to redeem himself. It's a good ending. Yeah, I'm almost rooting for Apollo at this point. I hope his punch gets in there first and lays Rocky out with one hit. I like this ending. And it's great that it freezes right there because does it matter? They're fighting each other and doesn't matter who wins. And it's just a great moment for them. And I said it before and I'll say it again here. It's a nice bookend to what these two guys have been through the past two movies. It's a great way to end their story. It's wonderful, and I just love that painting. <laughs> I just love it. It's a great way to symbolize what that last moment's about. Let's not rule out the fact, cliffhanger, possible fourth installment. Is it going to pick up from right there? <laughs> we'll find out next week. Yes, the Rocky's animated. I haven't seen it. <laughs> so, Jacob, Arnie, do you recommend Rocky 3? Jacob. I talked about with Rocky 2 how that one it may or may not have succeeded because of my affection for the characters for the first film. And I thought all those characters, they got their moments and just great acting in that second film. It didn't transfer over to Rocky Three for me. The characters, they get their moment. And I liked some of those moments, like with Talia Shire on the beach with Sylvester Stallone. There's little pockets that I liked. I liked Clubber Lang. I actually would have liked Arnie's version from your plot summary, the bizarro Rocky Three. <laughs> I didn't find Stallone interesting, just like he's become the cream puff that trains to orchestral music and he's advertising his Jordache jeans. I just don't care about him. And it's a problem when the film is called Rocky. And I just don't like this protagonist. I like a lot of the characters around him. Apollo, Clubber, Adrian. But his story, this is a fluff movie. There's a lot of fighting in there. So I think we could finally call this a boxing movie even though there's a wrestling match in there as well. But this is a sports <laughs> movie, which is fine. I'm down with that if it still has those dramatic moments, but it just seems like it's going from scene to scene to get to those fights that the audience wants at this point. It just doesn't work for me. There's a lot of missteps for me with the way the story was told. So, no, I'm not going to recommend Rocky Three. Arnie. Wow. Jacob knocked Rocky out in round one. Well, I agree. This is a fluff piece. This is a film that ditched the soul of its predecessors. And yeah, I said it earlier this podcast, right from the song, it traded its passion for glory. But it's glorious. Screw Adrian and her drama. Screw Polly. I don't care. This movie's going to tug at my heartstrings, and it's going to do so very obviously by killing an old man. And it's going <laughs> to let me cheer Rocky beating down a giant. And it won't even be hard. Rocky is now Superman. But man, what a ride, what a song, what a movie! Recommend! I said earlier, this is where I come into the series. I said that I had come into this movie viewing, wondering how it's going to hold up for me loving this movie as a kid. And I found myself this time, it kind of correlates to me to Return of the Jedi. When I was a kid, I loved Return of the Jedi. But as I got older, I realized that, yeah, it's a flawed movie and it has issues that it's not the same movie as the predecessors. Well, same thing with Rocky Three. I completely see its flaws. I know it's not as deep and the characters aren't there and the acting isn't exactly where it was before but as we've talked about 
There are some moments for everybody. There's that great, great finality for Apollo's character. I very much like the second half of the movie when they're training together. I like the fight scenes. I enjoy the character bits. But yes, completely acknowledge this is not the Rocky movie that we saw in the first time. This is not a best picture <laughs> by any means, but it darn is it fun to watch. I think the flaws, much like if you watch all three Star Wars movies in a row, you see the flaws of the last movie more because of the first two movies being fresh in your mind. Same thing here. We just watched the first two Rocky movies, and so you see these flaws a little more fresher. But then again, same with Return of the Jedi. I enjoy watching it. It's fun to watch. At the end of the day, as I said before, that's what it's all about. Okay, so Yes, I recommend Rocky Three. It completely acknowledged it's a flawed movie, but you know what? I want to watch it again. <laughs> I want to hear the lines. I want to hear the music. I want to see those fights. So sure. I feel like we're back where Rambo, where now we're into what Rocky is known for. We're into the star spangled Rocky here versus the first two small little quirky dramas that I wasn't expecting. The same with First Blood becoming Rambo. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree with you, Arnie. I mean, we get Eye of the Tiger, we get the statue in this film. And yeah, I liked this film as a kid, but man, it just doesn't work for me now. I feel weird as the fan being the one not recommending it. I gotta say, I was surprised that you said that. I am too, honestly. Yeah. I didn't see it going that way. Maybe we'll have to revisit it once the economy's better, and maybe I'll feel a little bit better about rooting for the yuppie. <laughs> And while you're contemplating that, you can go to our archives and listen to our other Rocky movie retrospective entries. You can also listen to other retrospective series like Tron, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Terminator, Final Destination, our Final Destination series. We have one-offs like Cowboys and Aliens. All of that is available in our archive section at nowplayingpodcast.com. You can also go to our Facebook page, and you can follow us on Twitter. If you go to Facebook, you'll see all of us post mini movie reviews of things we saw during that week, and you can join in the conversation there or on our forums. Again, a link can be found on our homepage. And we pity the fools who do not vote in our summer donation voting drive. You, the listeners, have a choice to choose between the Spielberg Alien Trilogy, the Loose Trilogy of classic films, quote-unquote classic, including War of the Worlds at the end there, of Close Encounters, E.T. and War of the Worlds, or we will do Men in Black, The first two Men in Blacks and the third movie will be a weekend of release review. You, the listeners, get to choose for our $25 donation series in the spring. So, guys, we're going to meet again when it's East meets West for Rocky IV. I'm excited for it. (laughs) I'm excited about this one. I can't wait till next week. I'm a little bit nervous. I mean, Jacob... We just saw Dolph Lundgren a few weeks ago in The Punisher. <sighs> we'll see how it goes. Coming off Rocky 3, though, it's coming off on a high note. I want to know who wins, Apollo or Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Arnie. <laughs> uh, but, Jacob, based on everything you just said about in your conclusion of Rocky 3, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to say about Rocky 4. We'll get into it next week, though, what I think about this film. We'll find out who recommends Rocky 4 when we step into the ring for our next podcast. Talk to you then. I can't believe this is happening. I can't. And I just want to say thanks to Apollo for fighting me, Apollo. I want to thank, thank Mickey for training me. Most of all, I want to thank God. This is the greatest night in the history of my life. I just want to say one thing to my wife from home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! 
Thank you for listening to this episode in the now-playing Rocky Retrospective Series. Why this fighter of limited ability has gained such popularity is such a mystery. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we get in the ring and review another Rocky film. When I leave you, you'll not only know how to fight, you'll be able to take care of yourself outside the ring. Mickey loves you. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other films such as Rambo, The Karate Kid, Terminator, Total Recall, X-Men, and many more. It makes a man a better man. We wish to educate your country. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss these films with other listeners. Don't listen to it, Rocky. No, do listen to it, Rocky. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes, and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. Very American. It's very smart. And remember, after this show, I'm your favorite. What favorite? Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website. NowPlayingPodcast.com Mr. Gazzo says I should get to 200 to break your thumb. You understand? Please! Huh? Please! Give me some money. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. What are you going to do with the money? Well, the first thing I got to do is I got to pay the rent, you know? Now Playing's Rocky Retrospective series is edited by Carlos and Arnie. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll clean it up for you, bully. Now Playing is not affiliated with MGM or United Artists, and no infringement is intended. Seems like lately everybody wants to beat me up. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. I pity the fool, and I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2011, all rights reserved. It's over. It's all over. You did me. Bert, Bert Young, you want to record oh. that again? Bert Young... I was, I'm just wondering if this was a meta moment for Burt Young. Burt Ward is uh, Robin. Robin. Yes. Robin. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a job, too. I, you know, Adam West, I need a job. Burgess Meredith in this. I got Batman 66 on the brain. <laughs> I'm like, where did No, I... that's next yes. summer. <laughs> um, you did me. Uh, it's a strong point. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Okay, Forrest, yeah, you know, I had to cut one. you saying that like three times out of like one of the Fright Nights. Is That's all I'm going to say about that. There was one I couldn't <laughs> cut, but it was just too Forrest <laughs> gump. <laughs> all right. Just just an FYI, you might want to find a new catchphrase than Forrest Gump. There, the, <laughs> and I'd suggest not saying life is like a box of chocolates as your backup. That's my boat. So, you did me. Those are the lines I've never seen that Mr. T before or again. And I'll be damned. The man can act. <laughs> At least in this role. <laughs> <laughs> He's in Hamlet down the block if you want to go check that yes, out. We'll, we'll do that as another retrospective. <laughs> Mr. T does Shakespeare. <laughs>
Eat me. <laughs> I, and I've actually seen Sloan in person, and he's not 5'10". No, he's five, You must have six, had his sandals on those days when you saw him. Not the he was, he was platform the, shoes. He was at Disney store, and he was not 5'10", I promise you. So, yeah. I don't know where they got 5'10 from in that Wikipedia article, but it's baloney. You did me. Jacob, Arnie. Yeah, you, not Stuart. <laughs> yeah, who, who are you again? Uh, Jacob, <laughs> Apollo. You did me. Glenn. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. <laughs> Glenn's the man going to work. Got his tie, got ambition. And I'm sure you have that on the iPod as well, Arnie. You got that on some import CD that you paid a lot of money for. You did me.